All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza, and later you're going to want to call our panel of medical experts for your questions. We'll we'll build that into the program today. 800-941-SEAN. You want to join us. Uh, now, we also have separately and apart, we have uh, Dr. Oz has been doing some phenomenal shows uh, with people that he have that he's been speaking to that have, remember, off-label use of medications. For example, we keep hearing a lot about hydroxychloroquine uh, with azithromycin, and and Dr. Raz has had numerous patients on it. We told you the first case we, we took a note of. Um, this guy, Rio, was in a Florida hospital, said goodbye to his family. Doctor said they could do nothing else for him. So do, do we have all the answers? No. Am I a doctor? No. Do I listen to these stories one after another after another and now I find hope there? Absolutely. Um, we're going to get to that today. Dr. Oz also is interviewing doctors today about their experience by prescribing it. So we'll get into all of that with him. And there is there was a lot of discussion in the Fox Town Hall with the president's task force. I thought it went very, very well. Um, we have the most unbelievable reckless irresponsibility that i've ever seen and witnessed and that's saying a lot in all the years i've been doing politics 31 years on talk radio 24 years now at at fox with the democratic party i mean what they are fighting over wait do you hear all the details of this it is disgusting it is downright despicable um and it's repulsive and it's unfortunately it now defines washington and the radical extreme democratic party it just does. It, it, it defines who they are, what they stand for. I mean, I'm looking at the Pelosi proposal, $2.5 trillion. Well, we have the return of the Obama phone. Any of you think the Obama phone thing was gone? Obama phone, remember we had that cut from long ago. We used to play it a lot. It was kind of funny a little bit. Obama. You, you got Obama phone? Yes, everybody in Cleveland, low minority, got Obama phone. Got Keep Obama in president, you know? He what? gave us a phone. He gave you he a phone. More. How do he give you a phone? You, you sign up if you're, you're on full stamps, you on Social Security, you got low income, you disability. Hey, I have your question. Okay, what's wrong with All right, Romney? so that could bring back long memories. But the point was, when you dig into it, there was a free phone program. Now they're pointing out Pelosi wants a billion dollars to build on a program providing, you know, phone service or discounted in some cases, free in other cases for low income consumers. Uh, she wants to provide, she's getting into the illegal immigration fight, automatic extension, non-immigrant visas, restrict colleges from providing information about citizenship status. Okay, that has nothing to do with those that, through no fault of their own, the American workers from getting the aid that they now desperately need as you dither in Washington in your swamp and in your sewer. You know, they want to force federal agencies, you know, to start going through a list of, OK, race, you know, identity politics to get a loan and to get assistance. Every American that needs it needs to get it and they need to get it expeditiously. I can't stand people in life that have no urgency. I live my life in a constant state of urgency. I don't understand a lack of urgency. I understand some people calmer than Sean Hannity. I got it. But I move. I don't have any choice. The light goes on, I go. It's the way we it's the way most people I know roll. Doctors I know roll. Most people now there are artists out there that they have the luxury and they've chosen a lifestyle and a career that works for them. I, I don't get it. They're gonna live longer than me, but anyway. 
It's neither here nor there. Federal uh, handout she's asking for. Now she wants to make this about the minimum wage. She wants to add in permanent paid leave. She wants to eliminate the debt of the Postal Service to the Treasury. She wants student debt payoffs. She wants $35 million to the JFK Center for the Performing Arts. Are you kidding me? You're, st- you're preventing American workers from getting the aid that they deserve. That's right, aid that they deserve. By the way, most Americans, I've been all over social media today. I will say this. I am so proud of the people of this country, the stuff I read. When they hear about, you know, free, free, they want to go back to work. They want their lives to return to normal. Now, there's got to be a bridge that we create that helps those hourly workers, helps those small businesses, and even helps those big businesses that are in desperate need of assistance through no fault of their own. For crying out loud, we rebuilt Europe. We can help out the United States of America at a moment like this. Then she's adding all the environmental provisions. Why don't we just kick the airline industry in the teeth while they're down, and now they're, they're going to ask that every single flight reports their greenhouse emissions and demand and, and regulate over that the airlines have to reduce carbon emissions by 50%. And then, of course, the Green New Deal. Here we go with wind and solar credits again. Nothing to do with with America, America at this moment, where people are waiting desperately in some cases. Look, a lot of people and I've lived a pretty long portion of my life where I lived in the position of not having, you know, three weeks worth of a cushion or two weeks. Even remember a point when I had no weeks, even if I'm not working, I don't I don't get to pay my rent. I don't get to put gas in my car. And too many, unfortunately, too many people live like that, but it is the reality. Those are people that now are fellow Americans that need our help. Washington is there. They're supposed to be public servants. Do your ugh, job. They're, now they're building up their union buddies with all these, you know, you know, provisions forcing the unions onto boards of anybody that gets any help from the federal government forcing airlines to accept assistance under the bill to have a union representative on their board. It just, it's, it's repulsive to me. And this is what they've been fighting for for days now. They thought they had a deal. In comes Nancy Pelosi, pushed by the radicals in her party, just like they did on the Ukrainian impeachment, just like Mueller, Mueller, Russia, Russia, Ukraine, Ukraine. Now they're, they're now driving this. I mean, how is it possible they're going to bail out the IRS demanding you know, hundreds of millions of dollars for the IRS, hundreds of millions of dollars for NASA and for the construction of an environmental compliance center. This has nothing to do with helping our fellow Americans. Is that If that is where your head is at, your priorities are, as usual, screwed up. As all of this was getting going, where were the Democrats? Well, they were calling Donald Trump 10 days after the first case, first known case of coronavirus in the U.S. That was January 21st. The 31st, the president put the travel ban and the quarantine into place. And he was called xenophobic and hysterical and a fear monger. And then the Democrats were in the middle of their impeachment trial. They weren't doing a darn thing to help this country. Not then. And what they're doing now is actually hurtful. I swear, where I have the most hope in this country is the American people are amazing. I'm reading all this stuff online and I'm like, first of all, people are wickedly funny on social media, (laughs) irreverent, so politically incorrect, so raw, it makes me laugh out loud. I love it. 
And even when it's attacking me, I still I can take a joke. I deserve it. That's fine. But I want but they don't want bailouts, handouts. They want to deal with the problem. It's temporary and get the country up and running again. And now there people rightly have every reason to be frustrated. You know, they want delivery drivers for food, for whatever they're buying. And they, you know, and the one thing I agree with the president on, these business CEOs can't turn around and give themselves large bonuses and buybacks that are going to make them super rich when it's us that are bailing their asses out. No, that can't be a part of it. Nope. This year, they're not going to have any of that. That's not going to happen. And then you get all the politics with the media mob, all predictable politics. Nothing is is out there that is going to do a single darn thing to help anybody except themselves, because they think they create a dependency class that will vote them into office. And that's what now the good stuff that's in here. There are some things. Coronavirus updates. We now know that what is in the bill. Corona, you know, U.S. could become a you know, we we have to watch. But they are offering now as part of the bill. Good idea. Free coronavirus testing. By the way, the task force has announced today and yesterday that testing might be available in your home very quickly within the next week or so, they even said. Anyway, that will be free. Expanded funding for food security programs, etc. That's needed. The Supplemental Nutrition Program, Women's Infant and Children Program, Emergency Food Assistance Program, Senior Nutrition Program. All right. That, that all has to. This is not the time to debate it. Pay for it. Let's move on. Emergency family and sick leave employees of companies of fewer than 500 employees and government staffers. You know, these people may get laid off. They may be furloughed. Isn't it better that we work towards a cure? But that aid, that bridge will be there for them and low interest loans for some people, as well as help for those people that just need the help because through no fault of their own, they ended up getting let off and keep their health insurance. You don't want that to stop. Um, Medicaid funding, unemployment insurance, et cetera. That, that, those are the responsible things that we need to get done and get done quickly. And in the, in the meantime, hopefully our medical experts, our scientists, our researchers, who I believe in, will be doing their job and getting us to the point where we can now move towards mitigating death, hopefully first, mitigating the disease. Now, if you're looking at the news aspect of this, here, I have some good news and bad news. Now, if you watch the patterns in China and the pattern in South Korea and a few other countries that we've been monitoring that had this problem early on, all of a sudden there's a leveling off and then a dramatic decline. We now may have see, seen the peak in Italy. Now, we're behind Italy. That's what I said earlier this week, late last week. The next four weeks are going to suck because there's a lot more testing. We have a lot more coming out and right now if you look at the world how many people 409,014 uh 18,246 deaths worldwide if you look at the U.S. up, up to the minute numbers we have 50,206 positive tests 602 deaths if you want some perspective the last pandemic of H1N1, 60.8 million Americans contracted that. We had hundreds of thousands of Americans hospitalized. We had in the first year, nearly 13,000 Americans die. Um, those numbers, with, with everything that now the world is doing, hopefully that will decline. 
and hopefully it'll level off. Hopefully there'll be a seasonal component, which with the warmer weather would slow it down. But this is Italy's now. Uh, now second smaller increase in viruses, second day in a row. They recorded smaller day-to-day increases in new coronavirus cases for the second straight day. Now, if the pattern of China, the pattern of South Korea holds, then hopefully it does Italy. We'll be behind that curve, and then hopefully we will begin the decline. But in the meantime, we've got to always prepare for the worst, and which is what we're doing. Look, I'm going to tell you what the real answer here is. And I want to get into the president saying that the cure cannot be uh, worse than the problem. America's got to, at some point, especially states that really aren't experiencing major cases like where I'm in the middle of ground zero right now, New York City. That's where I'm that's where I'm located here. So it's ground zero here and it's more dire. So rightfully, the president is task force have been focusing resources where they're most needed, including hospital beds, these Navy uh, uh, hospital ships. Same with California, same with Washington state. That That's the right priority. We got to go where more people are at risk and we got to try and stop and mitigate in those areas and then hopefully find treatments that will save people from dying and there seems to be hope there and a lot of medical experts that i talked to in a french study and a bunch of other studies are showing great hope which we've got to hold on to in these moments and i think uh hopefully anecdotal but maybe uh we'll see even better results in the next week or two so but the real answer is if you want to worry about The economy, if you want to worry about the virus, we got to get the treatment first. We now we've never broken the sequence of a virus this quickly. And now we're working on a vaccine. Stage one tests are going on as we speak. Never happened this quickly. Now we're at the point where, okay, we see a lot of hope in some of these therapies like hydroxychloroquine uh, with azithromax and maybe zinc. And by the way, Dr. Oz has a lot to say on all this. All right. All right. As we roll along, uh, our medical aid team will take some of your questions on the uh, program today. I know a lot of you have worries, fear. I would like Americans to have concern. I, I don't like the word worry. I don't like fear. I like the word concern because you, you can get to the point where all these thoughts are racing through your head and it's creating all these feelings and all these feelings are creating a rush of new thoughts and more thoughts and more feelings and thoughts and feelings. Next thing you know, you're just you're making yourself sick. You've got to have the discipline, mental discipline, strategic thinking at times of crisis, trouble and difficulty. That's that's that is where you you will find your best answer. Remember, we if you have faith, you rely on your faith, your belief in God. If you have a work ethic, you rely on your work ethic, you rely on your common sense, you rely on your ingenuity. You do the things now of social distancing and and sanitizer, all that stuff to keep yourself and your family safe and secure. Worry to me is not good. To me, and I'm gonna get into this whole, the president rightly saying, the the cure cannot be worse than the problem. We've gotta be careful on this. There's a balance here somewhere. I don't know exactly where, but we've gotta open up for business again. The president's saying we weren't built to be shut down. Americans don't wanna be shut down. You know, it reminds me of the movie Disclosure, the Crichton book that I had read. And then the movie I saw, Demi Moore, Michael Douglas. And long story short, Demi Moore, you know, and Michael used to be a couple. Then they broke up. She comes to be his boss in a new situation, uh, comes on to him. He says no, et cetera, et cetera. And she tries to ruin his world. And he keeps getting notes from a professor named A Friendly. Solve the problem. 
if we solve the medical problem as quickly as possible and can prevent people from dying, that would be the first goal. We can solve everything else that much more quickly. That's where my mind is right now. I'll explain more when we get back. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour. Thank you, Scott Shannon. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, This reckless irresponsibility, literally not stepping up at a moment when American workers, through no fault of their own, seek help from their government. Now, we, we defeat evil around the world. We pay the full cost, the full freight for all of that. We pay that cost. Fascism, Nazism, communism, imperial Japan, you know, uh, let's say, oh, radical Islamism. Yeah, we, we protect the world. We're the ones that will likely come up with the cure or the treatment to help the world in this. That's who we are. That's what we do. But, there, and now, but yet we can bail out and rebuild Europe. We can fight world wars. You know, we can fight through depressions where my father grew up in. And then he fought World War II go through recessions, go through one pandemic after another, lose tens of thousands a year into the flu, and now when Americans need help, small businesses, hourly workers, and and some of our industries, like the cruise line, airline industry, we, listen, we don't have a choice. We're not going to shut down the airline industry. This is not their fault either. So we help everybody else out. Now we're arguing over the you know Obama phones and the illegal immigration and... Uh, I, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm, I am stunned and paid leave and debating the minimum wage and bailing out the post office and paying for the performing arts center. I'm like, wow. And student loan debt. This has nothing to do with helping the American people expanding wind and solar, kicking the airline industry in the teeth, demanding they reduce their overall carbon emissions by 50% and, and publicly reporting greenhouse gases. Okay, this is not the time. How about we get the check to displaced uh, waiters and cooks and busboys and dishwashers? Let's start there. That one industry, which is suffering as badly as they are. And then every other small business industry. Let's get them the help. Now, as I was saying before the break, there is indications that Nancy Pelosi is capitulating on all of this. We'll see. Now, it's like the movie Disclosure. So the Michael Douglas character being set up to be kicked out of the office and blaming everything on him, he keeps getting these strange emails. Solve the problem. Now, the president is a thousand percent correct. The president is right when he says the cure cannot be worse than the problem itself. If you look at the areas with the highest concentration of coronavirus cases, you look at that. You see, okay, it's New York. Makes sense in the sense that, okay, metropolitan people from all over the world, it's international. Same with San Francisco. Say a lot of people from China fly into uh, Washington State. It's why Italy got hammered because their textile industry was so closely tied to the Wuhan province area of China. But you can't have a, a, a cure that is worse than the problem. In other words... This is, a, this is now in and of itself a problem. We have to open up at some point. The president's goal, he mentioned in a town hall on two-hour town hall that he did on Fox News earlier today, that his hope is we're going to go through this 15-day period. He's going to reassess. 
But he hopes everything's up and running and open by Easter, which is April the 12th, today being March 24th, 224 days to Election Day. Not that that is what we're talking about at this moment. And there is a a growing sentiment, you know, and maybe a little bit of natural conflict. Doctors, I guess, if they had their way, they would probably want to quarantine all of us every day so every person wouldn't die. Well, if that was the case, we could save a lot of lives every year if nobody ever left their house. Because a lot of people, tens of thousands of Americans die every year from the flu. There's got to be the right balancing act here. And for me, the hope is back to the analogy of disclosure in the movie, in the book by Michael Crichton. It's like solve the problem. We've got to figure out. This is what I love what Dr. Oz and so many other people are doing with uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Because that, that is showing very promising results. It's giving us hope. And having compassionate use, off-label use. I mean, we're rewriting the books on how future pandemics are going to be handled. There's going to be travel bans will be the norm. You'll always have the few people screaming racism, xenophobia, hysteria, fear-mongering. But that's going to be the norm. Public-private partnerships in America, that will be the norm. Our, Our corporations have been amazing. They have stepped up in incredible ways to help all of us. They all deserve the pharmaceutical industry, the drug companies, all of the big box stores, the Walmarts, the, the Targets, the Walgreens, the CBSs, all of the medical uh, testing facilities, LabCorp, Quest uh, Diagnostics, said they've all been great. Now we're on the verge of a home test, which is awesome. And now we get, we're cranking out as much of the material we didn't have. Uh, it was depleted. States also bear responsibility for that, too. But let's not get into the blame game at this moment. U.S. is not built to be shut down. The president is right. If we're going to if we're going to allocate massive amounts of money, which we I think is the right thing to do for workers and for small business. And we've got to keep the big businesses in a, in a position where they can now come out of this. Also, you want to live in an America without airplanes? I don't. That's not going to be. Well, liberals might. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe wrong question for some people. Um, And he wants to open the country as quickly and as expeditiously as possible. That's why the president says stop the partisan politics. And, you know, I know there's tensions brewing at some point here with all the money spent. The money's going to run out. You got to get the country up and working as quickly as possible. Now, that's where, you know, I've been paying so much uh, attention And the Dow, by the way, is up 10% today. That's good news. I mean, I'm not paying that much attention to the Dow. And frankly, it's never been my barometer. I've said it many times over the years, but it's not. Um, They're going through the roof today. Now, I guess the Senate is near their agreement. They're getting rid of the Pelosi nonsense, from what I can tell. I'm sure there'll be waste, fraud, and abuse that will piss all of us off. I get it. But we've got to get the aid as quickly as possible. Um, there was a study, a lot, the president keeps saying, you know, this balancing act, we're threading the needle with medicine versus the economy. And you could tell the mob was outraged when the president said that a prolonged economic shutdown, for example, could be worse, that the cure could be worse than the problem. And then he even mentioned, yeah, you're going to see like a wave of psychological depression, even suicide. Actually, it was a study that came out, um, which I thought was pretty interesting, Uh, People are very much, very often tied to money. It's just something that you need to understand here. The president, you know, people get tremendous anxiety, depression, have suicides over things like this. Terrible economies. And he's right. There was uh, the new scientist printed a study. Aaron Reeves at 
the University of Oxford, part of a team that found the financial crash in 08, linked to an extra 10,000 suicides in Europe and North America. Now, by the way, guys, don't ever let money become that important to you in life. You know what? It, it's Life is a lot more than money. I've lived without it, and I've lived with it. And it's it cannot be. It's All money is to me is a, a way to get free, to be able to make choices that you otherwise wouldn't make. You don't have the ability to make choices. It's not good. All right. Some of the news aspects. Right, I told you about the declining days now in Italy for the second day in a row. That would hopefully fit the pattern of China and South Korea. Johns Hopkins rightly points out that we, the United States, is the best prepared country in the world to handle a pandemic. And by the Nuclear Threat Initiative, Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security, their assessment at odds with claims that Democrats that the Trump administration left the country vulnerable. No, we were more prepared than any other country on the face of this earth. I'd pointed that out earlier. I haven't mentioned it in a while. One scary bit of news I didn't like today. The CDC pointed out the coronavirus can live up to 17 days in a cruise ship. That's not good. Uh, we have how coronavirus is affecting people's lives. There was a, a study that just came out. Uh, almost 1,100 U.S. adults, people, their emotional well-being, people are anxious. It's It jumped dramatically in just the last week. Furloughed, suspended, told not to work the last few weeks. That jumped from 10% a week ago now to 22%. Self-quarantines have gone up from 10% to 39%, which, by the way, would probably be a good thing. Um, but... But those are challenges, you know, being faithful, being, you know, knowing, having some context that we lose tens of thousands of people a year to the flu. 60.8 million Americans contracted swine flu. It's just perspective. It's just, okay, this happens from time to time. Perspective is good because you don't want to you don't want to live in a state of fear. I don't think fear helps solve problems. I don't think you think clearly when you're living in a constant state of panic and fear. Um, we have, uh, what else do we have in this study? We have never seen such a widespread, you know, this fear issue has to be dealt with. It really does. Because if people are very fearful, we're not going to make good decisions. We got to make very good decisions based on logic, common sense, science, and, and metrics that matter. The UK is shutting down, uh, their country. If you don't follow the rules, their government, uh, prime minister, Boris Johnson, the police will have the powers to enforce them. Uh, I know there's widely reported a man in Phoenix and his wife died of chloroquine. Uh, hydroxychloroquine. That's not true. It was not what the president has been talking about. Has the same name, but this one was actually very different and, and used for something very different as well. well. I forgot what the thing was used for. What was it used for? I'm looking here in the story. Da, 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 da. Oh, they used chloroquine phosphate which is an additive used on aquariums. Other data out there, you know, CBS poll, concern for yourself or family member getting the virus, somewhat concerned, 41%, 30% very concerned, 20% not very concerned. I just think you should be measured, be smart. Listen to what they're telling you. That's, that's the answer, going out. People are going out 55% only when they have to. Only 10% say they're going out as usual. 23% doing it, but being careful, and 12% saying they're staying home. 62%, I'm proud of the American people that say they feel calm. 55% hopeful, 54% happy, 43% stressed, that's high. 35% nervous, yeah, that's high too. So the psychological component is going to matter here in the days and weeks ahead.
Um, you know, it's been amazing. Dr. Oz did a show yesterday, and he's doing a follow-up today. And I love this because we really want to solve the economic problems. We really want to solve the health problems first. The way to do it is either through the sequence we discovered. First uh, trial vaccine testing has already begun in record time. They broke down the sequence, used to take years in six weeks. Amazing work by our medical researchers, doctors, and, and medical professionals. Anyway, so he interviewed a number of people, and uh, I was really happy to see it. One woman, a nurse in New Jersey, hospitalized, taking uh, the combination of uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, and he did this on a show yesterday, and as we continue to find solutions... Now, is it a panacea? Do I know this is going to work? I'm not a doctor, as I've been telling you. But when I read something like this and I see other information, I'm interested. Tony in North Carolina, husband had corona, treated by this combo and released from the hospital yesterday. Thank God. Uh, We see high numbers of people getting it. 409,014 worldwide right now. Well, 60.8 million had H1N1 in this country alone. Worldwide deaths, and they're going to go up. These numbers, especially now with more testing here, our numbers are going to go up dramatically for the next couple of weeks. Then it will hopefully follow the pattern of China, South Korea, and you'll see the leveling and then the decline. This guy, Rio, we told you about, who was on the program yesterday, other cases. Now, Dr. Oz is following that up, and he'll update us when he joins us later on doctors that are treating their patients with. Uh, hydroxychloroquine uh, and azithromycin. So is it, a, is it a cure? That would be called a treatment. I have a study here in front of me. This is the French study. Now, it's not a very big study. So, like, for example, Dr. Fauci is right. From a medical standpoint, he is a thousand percent correct. He wants to see long case studies and go through the normal process. But, okay, if we see off-label use of hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin, and it's showing really big results. And you got data from China and data from South Korea, and the Israelis clearly believe in it. They're donating 6 million doses to us. And this French study that came out, breakthrough, chloroquine has shown apparent uh, successful treatment in COVID-19 associated pneumonia in clinical studies. Small sample. But we also have, they have a chart, and what you see is coronavirus and the percentage of patients with positives, all of that starts to decline precipitously precipitously once you add this treatment. Now, this drug has been around since 1945. Every drug, if you read the Tylenol warning label, you're going to scare, it'll scare the crap out of you. Uh, But being around since 1945, we know that in the doses that they are using, we know that it does not put the patient at that higher risk. Very relative. For me, I would use it in a second after everything that I've read. For me, I'm not, tell, I'm not being your doctor. You let your doctor and you decide. Um, but I see it as so promising, and especially having interviewed people that have used it and said that it changed it dramatically. Um, anyway, we have, other, we have a Forbes.com article that talks about the French release study that 70% of those patients using hydroxychloroquine uh, we're negative for the virus at day six. Amazing hope. Uh, we have another story. They talk about this woman who was in a bad state in New Jersey, freehold, critical condition. 
Doctors first thought it was pneumonia. She continued to spiral downward. Finally, the, do- the doctors test for corona. Test comes back 24 hours. They turn to chloroquine. Her symptoms start to disappear. That's called hope. That If we get that solved, if we get the death part of this equation solved, that'll solve quickly the business part. That'll get our lives back to normal part. Anyway, our medical experts next hour... We'll talk to Dr. Siegel, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. They'll take your calls. They took did a town hall with the president today, along with uh, Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz in our next hour, the hour of the news roundup hour. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show. Glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free number. It is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Now, at some point in this hour, we are going to be taking your phone calls for our medical aid team, which I'll introduce in a minute. I have some news items first to update you on. I just love the people in this country. I mean, GM, Ford, I I can't mention all the names. I scroll them on the TV show at night because we should all be so proud of all of them. Uh, World War II, I don't know if you know this, the Ford Motor Company used their Willow Run plan to build Sherman tanks to help beat the Nazis. You know, now Ford is using their F-150, which, by the way, is a cool pickup truck. So cool. Parts. They're using those parts to build respirators to help their fellow countrymen in need. They'll be used to help 3M redesign powered air purifying respirators so that first responders, healthcare workers can be protected. How awesome is that? Um, now, I, I mean, it just, it, it takes your breath away how great some people are. Um, we know, oh, Dr. Fauci is saying, is the mob in the media, they're trying, he wasn't at the press conference. What, oh my, what does that mean? He, he, well, he said, and I, this guy's been around for a lot of these things. And let me tell you, he said, um, yeah, he, he wants all numbers, especially when it comes to hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. He wants numbers. He's a scientist. He's a doctor. But compassionate use, off-label use, if there's not a high risk and it's working, why not? Just like the right to choose. I like the right. If I'm, I'm stage five on my deathbed and somebody tells me you might want to try this, I'm going to try it. Uh, but anyway, he's, he's answered that. The president has listened to what I have to say, to what other people in the task force have said, and what I, uh, when I have made recommendations, he's taken them. Never countered, overridden me, ever. The idea of pitting one against the other is not helpful. I wish it would stop, and we'd look ahead at the challenge we have to pull together to get over this thing. Uh, good for him. Now, also, testing is expanding. We'll get into some more of that in a second. Uh, the vice president, it was a great town hall. It was amazing, actually. The president, vice president, task force, Dr. Oz, who's joining us later, uh, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Dr. Mark Siegel. They were asking the president, vice president, great questions. Anyway, the president did confirm that the federal government has sent 2,000 ventilators from the national stockpile to the state of New York, now the epicenter of this virus. And they're sending another 2,000 more tomorrow, which is great. Um, We have Michael Levitt, Nobel laureate, Stanford biophysicist. He he calculated that everybody was wrong in their predictions of doom and gloom and misery and pain and, you know, mass death in China. Well, it didn't turn out, but he nailed it. He was within like 100 of the, what, 80,000. That contracted the virus in China, and a number of people died, a little over 3,000 there. Uh, so that's good news. You know, I try to give perspective. Tens of thousands of Americans, they die from influenza every year. Doesn't mean we, we should not be all hands on deck. This is far more contagious. 
And it shouldn't mean we shouldn't be looking for treatments. Record time, we've broken down the sequence of this virus, which means now we're at stage one trials for a vaccine. That's never happened before. That used to take years and years and years. Uh, we now look at the latest statistics. Let me, here's more perspective. There is 1,773 Americans every day will die from heart disease. You know, I, I, I'm just perspective. Now, I want to save every life. I've been saying this from the beginning. I want, I want a cure for cancer. I want better treatments for those that have heart disease. And we're getting them. You know, my, my cousin died of Hodgkin's disease many years ago. If he, was, if he had it today, the odds are like 98% that he'd live. So that is uh, pretty amazing. Now, we're going to get to your calls uh, with your medical questions. Oh, I have some things that we found on the media that we got. Oh, I have a lot to share with you. Uh, correcting the record. At the end of January, Vox proclaimed coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic. Oh, and they're criticizing me. And I, I was afraid on January 27th, I interviewed Dr. Fauci. I said, I don't like this. Asymptomatic people showing up and they're apparently infecting tons of people. and I have no idea they have it. Washington Post telling people, get a grip. Can you imagine? The flu's a much bigger threat. Yeah, they said that in an editorial op-ed. Then they said, how our brains make coronavirus seem scarier than it is. That's the Washington Post. Uh, New York Times, in Europe, fear spreads faster than the coronavirus itself. In January, NPR warned the flu was a much bigger, bigger threat than the coronavirus. Early February, Washington Post claiming... The government should not respond aggressively to coronavirus. Why we should be wary of an aggressive government response. Oh, anyway, here for hopefully so, to answer your questions uh, with us, we have Dr. Mark Siegel, professor of medicine, NYU School of Medicine, and of course, Fox News medical uh, A-team member, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, uh, board certified radiologist, New York City, Fox News contributor. She wrote the book, Make America Healthy Again, How Bad Behavior, Big Government Caused a Trillion Dollar Crisis. Uh, first of all, you guys were both great. I loved the two hours. I couldn't stop watching it. A town hall earlier today with the president. Uh, how'd you like it? Dr. Siegel. Hey, Sean, it's Nicole. Thank it was... you again for having me on. You know, uh, I, I love the town hall, but this just goes to show you what President Trump is all about, and he's always been about this. He is about full transparency. He essentially allowed himself to just take rapid questions from the American public, and he answered them. You know, those weren't pre-screened questions. Those were questions for the president, and he, he addressed them, and it was important for him to do that. Yeah, I, I thought, listen, um, what do you think, I, Dr. Siegel? Yeah, no, I agree with Nicole, and I also thought it was very clear that the task force's bonding has has come together as a unit, and the president was very, very good on that point. I mean, I had an off-the-record with Tony Fauci yesterday, by the way, and it was clear to me that he respects the president greatly and that the president respects his input all the time. And by the way, Fauci also told me that he thinks all of this mathematical doomsday modeling is ridiculous because it's based on numbers that don't exist, and he's, he's very much against it and doesn't think it's, it's real science. So I think that they're in lockstep a lot in a lot of ways, and I think they're following the president's leadership. And I also like that he's building bridges across Democrats, Republicans, states, local. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a tour de force of how to fight this virus at this point. Let me get right to the issue. It was Dr. Oz's question. Now, on his show yesterday, he had four separate people that were treated with hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin. Um, now, the French, they have done a study, 
And in their study, now it was a small sample. It was not a big sample. But it, in, it showed very positive uh, results in terms of helping people get over the hump, treat it, and they, get, they recover, which I like to see. He had four separate people tell their stories. Today's his show will be, and he'll join us in the next hour, today's show will be talking to doctors that have been prescribing it successfully to their patients. Um, now we talk about off-label, compassionate use. I like the right to die, but that's separate, and, or the right to try, rather, which is separate and apart. Um, I, I would like to get from both of you your opinions on this. Uh, let's just call it anecdotal. And I know Dr. Fauci would love to have a long trial. We don't really have time for a long trial. And people, uh, from what I understand, Dr. Siegel, hydroxychloroquine at the doses we're talking about, at very high doses, I understand blindness is a risk. And there's always a risk. If you read Tylenol, there's a risk if you take Tylenol. But what do you think the risks are? And how do you judge the anecdotal evidence? Because I seem, I'm very positive about it. Well, I'm positive about it. The, the main risk, is it prolongs acute interval. So that means for people with arrhythmias, irregular heartbeats, they have to really get uh, advice from their cardiologist on this. And, and I think one of the things that Dr. Han said last night on television was right, which is that it's a, it's a matter of a doctor-patient consultation. Well, well Dr. Han is the one that did the French study, right? Right. No, no, no. He's the head of the FDA. The, oh, well, Doug, he, sorry. He was, but, 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 but the point here, here is, though, that you're, you've already made the point. It's been tried in China. It's been tried in South Korea. It's been tried in France. We're doing multiple studies here. It's being used in the University of Washington for very sick patients. It's being studied in Minnesota. Now it's a study started in New York State. The World Health Organizations of all uh, political bodies is actually doing a study all around the world on this. And in the meantime, it makes total sense to try to use it in people who are at risk of a severe outcome. I think it makes total sense to be doing that. And the downside is pretty low, provided... That you, I'm not worried about ocular side effects in short-term use. I'm more concerned about knowing what your heart rhythms are like. But for most people... When you say ocular well side effects, you're talking about if it's used long-term, high doses, you, right, you, it would right, impact right. your vision. But, right, but exactly. But this is not something to use yourself. This is something to use in conjunction with your doctor. That's, that's the point. Dr. Nicole, your thoughts? Well, you know, I actually brought this up today during the town hall because I was, I'm questioning whether that our traditional methods are just a little too conservative right now. And if we need to modernize um, getting this medication to the people. Now, I do agree. A lot of the short-term results may not actually turn into long-term successful outcomes. But as Mark was just saying, we are seeing trials of multiple medications that have already been proven safe being used all over the world. For, and some are showing, you know, successful outcomes. And so something that they did under Drs. Birch, Burks and Fauci with the HIV epidemic was they had something called parallel track, which is different than compassionate use and which is different than fast track. And it essentially says, we're going to try and give this medication and see if it works. Here's why we need to do that in the United States. If we were able to start using that and start prescribing it for our people in the ventilators, for anyone who has even similar results to that seen elsewhere, specifically in France, that means we're going to be getting these people off of ventilators much sooner, freeing up those ventilators for other people who may need it. And they're also showing that this actually may be able to prevent illness in some of our in people. So when we have healthcare professionals who are at risk and now are having to recycle PPE, wouldn't it be great if we could just give it as a pro potential prophylactic to our healthcare workers 
to keep them healthy so they can continue caring for people. I just think that we need to continue to cut some of the red tape when it comes to the FDA. That's something President Trump has always been a staunch supporter of, even before the coronavirus pandemic. I mean, I really just hope that everyone continues to work with him. You know, um, that that being said, I know that we need studies. I know we need long-term outcomes showing safety and efficacy. But in times like this, specifically emergencies, we need to bring back parallel tracks and other ways to make sure that we are not behind the globe when it comes to doing what's right for American people. When we get back, I want to ask you both. I want to look at this from a numbers standpoint, and I know that it might seem like a callous thing. Every life is precious, and I believe that. Um, But we have pandemics. We have disease. We have cancer. People die from the flu. I want you I want to get your analysis, both of you, on the numbers we're seeing now, what it means. Uh, We'll continue with Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Nicole Sapphire later in the next hour. Uh, Dr. Oz will check in with us. Also, the latest in Washington, Congressman Steve Scalise, a great Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Um, And you get to ask your questions of uh, Dr. Siegel and Dr. Sapphire. All right, as we continue our medical aid team of Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, what we're going to do in the next half hour, we're going to take calls, short questions, quick answers, get as many people in as we can. I want to ask you both, though, about the numbers. Worldwide now, we have... 414,277, that's the latest number that I have, with about 18,400 deaths. In the U.S., we have 51,582 people contracting the virus, 674 deaths, last I check. Um, Now, we had 60.8 million people, Dr. Siegel, that contracted H1N1. Hundreds of thousands hospitalized. In the first year, 13,000 died. That was in the U.S. Um... I'm just trying to offer perspective. As you look at these numbers and the leveling off that happened in countries like South Korea and China, and we now have two days in a row where the number of new cases has dropped in Italy. Hopefully where they're beginning their level off if the pattern continues. What do you how do you interpret the numbers? Well, there's some things that concern me and some things that don't. One is that I I don't jump automatically to the idea that we're going to have 60 million infections like we had with H1N1 in 2009. We don't know. The other point is that as we start to figure out how many low uh, symptom cases there are, asymptomatic, we keep figuring out more symptoms that we didn't even know were associated with this, like loss of sense of taste and smell, diarrhea, things we weren't even thinking about mean that there's a lot of mild cases out there. When we start to factor those in and we're doing more and more testing, we're going to find that the death rate is less than we thought it was. Having said that, I'm concerned about how contagious this virus is. I don't like that we don't have a vaccine for it yet. And I do think at this point, it's looking like it has that that pneumonia that's characterized by it, which is overwhelming our health system. And it's more deadly, it looks like, than the flu. But that over time... Over time, I want to make one more point. Over time, these things tend to become less deadly. As this virus right. acclimates to humans more, it's going to get milder. Dr. Sapphire, we have less than a minute. But, you know, Sean, I really do try and not get caught up in these numbers. And the truth is that we have had pandemics. Um, and whether or not, like, this, we've had pandemics before, similar, we're going to see 
you know, tens of thousands of people being infected and what the actual case fatality rate is going to be. We're not going to know until a year from now, as Mark alluded to. Bottom line, as you said in the beginning of this hour, that we have a large amount of Americans who die from preventable illness every day in terms of chronic disease and heart disease and diabetes and so forth. So where is the parallel concern for that? Why all of a sudden are we halting everything because of this one? And I think that is a very big, Mm -hmm. important question to be asking. All right. When we come back, we'll continue with our medical aid team, Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. We'll get to your calls, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to join us. We have an amazing Hannity tonight. Tell you about that in a second. And uh, also Dr. Oz next hour, Steve Scalise next hour, and much more straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, we have a great Hannity. I'll tell you about it later uh, tonight, 9 Eastern, uh, on the Fox News Channel. Dr. Raz in the next hour, he's been doing some amazing work just looking for, okay, is there a treatment? Are there, are there FDA-approved drugs off-label that are showing signs that this could work? For example, the first evidence that we had hydroxychloroquine and azithromax, they, they use this treatment for SARS. And many of you may forget, but SARS was a coronavirus at the time. I hope I'm saying that right. But anyway, we want to get to your calls. Uh, our medical aid team, Dr. Mark Siegel, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Dr. Oz next hour, Steve Scalise next hour. Uh, let's say hi to Angela is in New Jersey. Angela, welcome to the show. Say hi to Dr. Siegel, Dr. Sapphire. What's your question? Hi, my question is, uh, given the, uh, the, the new totals of COVID-19 that are, you know, being reported every day, I have not seen or heard how many of those positive tests are requiring people to be hospitalized. And I'm thinking that's an important number as to a ratio. Great question, Angela. Stay there. Let's, uh, Dr. Sapphire, we'll start with you. Your thoughts. Sure. So that is actually an extremely good question and highlights a very important point in the fact that the far majority of people who get this viral infection will have very mild symptoms who all can be maintained at at home. And although the data is a little bit skewed right now because we still are um, doing more and more testing, it would seem that fewer than 10% of the people who test positive actually need to be hospitalized. Um, I think the number was actually about 13%, the most recent one that I saw, but it's probably a little outdated now over the last couple of days. But it looked like 13% of Americans who are testing positive were having to go into the hospital with about a quarter of them requiring ICU beds. But the important thing to know is there is a large amount of people out there who actually have the viral infection who haven't been tested. So those numbers really aren't that accurate. Um, so it's probably mm-hmm. going to be less than 8 7% of the people require hospitalization or even below 5% when this is all said and done. It's hard to say. Dr. Siegel. I agree with that completely. And I think we're so focused on this, we're missing the fact that in China, about 80% of the infections were not even diagnosed properly because they were missed. And those are very, very mild cases. You know, Sean, in Queens, there's this 366% increase in ER visits of panicked people, and only 4% of them with respiratory symptoms and flu-like symptoms, only 4% of them end up having the COVID-19. So, in other words, all of this fear it misses the fact that most of the time it's a mild virus. All right, Angela, thank you for a good call, Angela, New Jersey. We now say hi to Mike is in New York, ground zero for all of this. 
Uh, Mike, you're on the Sean Hannity Show with Dr. Siegel, Dr. Sapphire. Uh, what's your question, sir? Uh, thank you. Can we find out how many hospitalized patients in New York City who are currently on ventilators are receiving hydroxychloroquine? My concern is if they were all receiving hydroxychloroquine, they would have less people on ventilators. The governor wouldn't be concerned about finding more governor, um, more ventilators. We would pass these people through the ventilator in a very short period of time. That's a great question, Mike. Um, but by the way, I'll add one thing to this is that should have started today. The government, the, the Trump administration, sent New York uh, a lot of doses of uh, hydroxychloroquine. And I'm sure they have enough azithromycin. Uh, I don't think that w- there was any shortage of that. By the way, two pharmacies are now ratcheting up production of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, including Bayer, um, and Israel has donated 6 million doses, and we have 3 million now that have, I think, been distributed at this point, but they're going to be looking at the numbers. Probably in the, by Monday we might have some numbers. Dr. Siegel first. Well, I think that was the experience in France, what he just said, which is the, a lot less people ended up needing respirators that were taking this drug, and I think you just got it right. They were ramping up its use here in New York now. And the University of Washington is using it on every severe patient and seems to be having a positive effect, especially if it's given early on. I think the key here is to decrease severity of this illness, and I think this is one of the possibilities. Remdesivir is another one that they're looking at with a lot of promise. What do you think, Dr. Nicole? Yeah, so I, I would love to say that I had data to see who has been uh, who's been using the medication or not right now. That those numbers haven't actually been released, but I am hopeful. You heard Governor Cuomo recently announce that they're starting a trial, and the, the public health of New York is going to start a trial. So I think these will be numbers that will start being released very soon. Um, but uh, as Mark has alluded to, the, the, there is being used other places. Um, unfortunately, we just have heard anecdotal reports that we are, people are seeing positive results, but the actual numbers um, kind of are elusive right now. All right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, good question on your part. By the way, there's no such thing as a bad question. It really isn't. I mean, whatever's on your mind, whatever doubt, fear, question you may have, there's no such thing as a bad question. Uh, Cabby Ray, South Carolina. Cabby, welcome to the show. You're on with Dr. Siegel and Dr. Sapphire. How are you? What's your question? Hi, how's everybody? Hey, for the last 20 years, I haven't been sick as a cab driver. Before uh, eight years, uh, the first eight years, I would get one or two codes um, and one or two flus. And I started taking a natural product. Uh, the people at Life Extension Foundation, the scientists have published articles that if you get your vitamin D level up, that it's almost impossible to get an infection. And shouldn't patients be given intravenous vitamin C and total nutrition, especially zinc and vitamin D? Thoughts, Dr. Sapphire? I mean, these are great points and great questions. And the reason I say that is because Absolutely. By having maintaining just a healthy diet all year round, you're positioning yourself um, to beat any viral infection because your body is healthy as can be. It sh- we should be looking at things from an all-encompassing um, purpose when we have someone in the hospital. Um, but unfortunately, when they're on the ventilator and they are, you know, having requiring these heavy-duty medications, uh, oftentimes just the acute um, dosage of vitamins won't necessarily help in that time. So the goal is you want to make sure that your body is supplied with these nutrients 
every day, not just when you get sick. You know, I posted on social media this past weekend that we were sitting outside in the sun because vitamin D is such a great thing. And I believe the formal, former CDC director even mentioned it last night because, yes, I'm taking care of yourself, continuing to eat healthily, getting outside into the sun. These are all things that you're going to be able to do to stave off infection and illness in your future. Dr. Siegel. Completely agree with all of that. It's all about lifestyle, sleeping enough, keeping a positive attitude, not being afraid. The other one we always forget is keeping well hydrated because you know what? That makes your mucous membranes moist, including the hairs inside your nose, and you fight off viruses better. Vitamin D is more like a hormone. I agree with Nicole on this. It's, a, it's very important, especially to f- help fight off infection. Vitamin C, I think we probably get enough of it in our food. But the idea of making sure you're not deficient in anything and having a well-balanced diet will definitely help you fight off viruses. All right. Thanks for a good call. Appreciate it, Cabby Ray. Uh, 800-941-SHAWN is our number as we talk to our medical aid team. Quick questions. Get as many questions answered as we can. Uh, William is in North Carolina. William, hi. How are you? And uh, welcome to uh, the show with Dr. Siegel, Dr. Sapphire. And what is your question, sir? Hey, Sean, very quickly, uh, if you have sickle cell anemia, it means that you have an ancestor in a malaria zone, and it was uh, associated with uh, an immunity to malaria. Do you think there's something in sickle cell people's blood that could possibly be isolated to, uh, to, to work on this thing? Good question. Dr. Siegel, we'll let you answer that one first. I think that's a little far afield, but I do think that there's genetic predispositions here. And I also think that brings up a larger point, which is, you know, are pe- why are people in Africa not getting this? It's been raised that maybe it's because there's a lot of malaria prophylactic drugs being used there, though not necessarily people that, that are living there, but certainly travelers. And it, it's another epidemiological evidence that maybe these anti-malaria drugs have some benefit here. But I, don't, I, I think we have to look at genetic predispositions. Who's more at risk for this disease and, and who is less at risk? Dr. Sapphire? Yeah, I agree with Mark. I mean, we want to stratify risk when it comes to this illness. And I think the reason that uh, many on the African continent are seeing such a, uh, lower cases is because so many people are taking the anti-malarial drugs as prophylaxis or as treatment. And we are seeing that that is probably, that may be a big key to helping us get through this as well. Um, genetic predisposition, absolutely. There are some people who are more prone to get infections. I don't really know if the sickle cell gene is really going to be a link here. Um, you know, but it's a good thought. I mean, at this point, we want everybody to be thinking outside of the box. And, you know, the good news is that we're going to get through this. We already have some medications that are showing some promise, and, and that'll be that. All right. Thanks for a good call. We appreciate it. Tom is in Orlando. Tom, uh, your question for Dr. Siegel and Dr. Sapphire. Yes, good afternoon. My question is, are these drugs a part of the Right to Choose Act? I think this is uh, all. I think the FDA is this is off. What are they? What's the term for that? Dr. Sapphire used it many times today. Off label use there. I got it. And also right now. They're using yeah. it as compassionate use, meaning that um, it's been deemed safe, but it is not FDA approved for that certain condition, which is what um, we're seeing with hydroxychloroquine. So that's called compassionate use, similar to right to try. And um, the remdesivir that Dr. Siegel has been mentioning, that is a newer drug. So that's a little bit different, but that's also being utilized as compassionate use while they're still undergoing clinical trials. 
You know, Dr. Siegel, Sean, there's no yeah. reason that there's no reason that I can't give drugs off label. I, I don't necessarily want to advertise it in front of your millions of listeners, but the, the fact is, I get the right to decide as a physician. I don't have to have an FDA indication in order to prescribe a drug. All right, here's the question I want to ask both of you: Would would you take it yourself, or if a family member had it, would early on would you err on the side of giving it? Maybe even if if they're not really that symptomatic if you will they're showing signs they've tested positive they they're not comfortable how quickly would you make that decision dr siegel i have parents in my 90s living in in their 90s living in florida and i'm very worried about them i'm I'm limiting the exposure they have if they get sick i'm going to put them on this i'll tell you i haven't done it but it's something i would consider not just for my parents but for other people that i felt were in a high-risk group i don't see a downside what do you think, Dr. Sapphire? Well, I can tell you, um, I actually have an autoimmune disease, so I have already been on both of these medications for other reasons, and I have deemed them safe in myself. I have, So I would absolutely take it if I were having symptoms. I have a friend who... Well, we don't need any more trials. Dr. Wanted. Sapphire took it. We're all good now. We're perfect. Everyone take it. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not a doctor. But I will tell you, though, I have a friend who is a neurosurgeon out in Wyoming who has symptoms, and he's a presumed positive case right now, and he started the medications, and within less than 48 hours, his symptoms are almost nearly resolved, and he's feeling amazing. All right. Uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it, Tom. John is in New Orleans, apparently a doctor. Doctor, welcome to the program. Say hi to your colleagues, Dr. Siegel and Sapphire. Hello. Uh, hope you all are doing well up there. Uh, my question is for Dr. Siegel, because Dr. Sapphire is too young to remember this, but <laughs> I was there when managed care came in, and utilization and review committees and formularies were, uh, were reduced, and inventory controls were instituted. In the past, prior to that, hospitals had supplies on hand for weeks or months at a time. When managed care came in, that all changed. They went to just-in-time delivery and combining that with offshore manufacture of these critical items, it created a perfect storm here. And I was wondering, this this situation has been brewing for decades that this could happen. And I wanted to uh, ask Dr. Siegel's take on that. Well, you forgot to mention Sean's favorite person, Hillary Clinton, who had a lot to do with that because her health care proposals led to the HMOs forming, and they, they strapped doctors into the chair where we literally had to accept whatever came our way. We didn't have nearly as much power as we had before. And your point, that, that it led to a decreased su- supply, and, and that's, that's also because hospitals were paid less, and that's absolutely related to why we find ourselves in a shortage situation right now. All right, real quick answer, Dr. Sapphire. Well, I will say that he didn't direct it to me because I am too young for this. However, I will tell you that I will say, though, in my book. Kaboom. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) But I will say, uh, to my own defense, that in my book that is coming out, I dedicated an entire subchapter discussing uh, formularies and how we essentially have had our hands tied behind our backs because of the big insurance aid industry and um, legislators and how that is really, in my opinion, lessened the quality of healthcare. All right. Thank you uh, both for, for your time. You guys have been amazing. Great town hall with the president today. Uh, the president will be on Hannity coming up later this week. Uh, we are 
making that announcement tonight. Uh, Dr. Siegel, Dr. Sapphire, um, I love the fact that you're you're very calmly helping people understand viruses and how to deal with it. And, you know, these are kind of uncharted waters for a lot of people. Thank you both for what you do every day. Doctors are amazing. We have the best doctors, the best medical researchers, scientists. My guess is in the end that America finds the cure. That's my guess. We'll see. Dr. Oz in the next hour. Also, uh, yeah, this pork barrel spending bill of Pelosi, you know, with Obama phones, dealing with illegal immigration. Uh, let's see. Minimum wage, uh, permanent leave, student debt, environmental uh, stuff, uh, their Green New Deal. How about take care of the people that need to be taken care of? All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, our toll-free telephone number. If you want to be a part of this extravaganza, is 800-941-SEAN. Well, we have the Democratic Party on the one hand, and then the Republican Party. We went through Nancy Pelosi's wish list, and then, of course, looks like she's going to bail out of this because she's getting so much heat. And the Republican Party, the adults that want to help workers and want to help small business owners and want to help big corporations devastated through no fault of their own. So Pelosi's bill, let's see, Obama phones, they're back. Uh, illegal immigration, automatic extensions, uh, government overreached, explaining to Congress how they are increasing, you know, they're going to they're going to be they're turning this all into identity politics, uh, demanding $15 minimum wage, permanent uh, paid leave. Eliminate the debt of the Postal Service. Uh, pay off student loan debt. You've got the never let a crisis go to waste. Rom Rombo Deadfish Emanuel's plan. And the Democratic Extreme Socialist Party's plan. Their priorities versus the Republicans. Let's listen in first. These are the Democrats. How come there is no student loan forgiveness? Not a delay. Not a delay. Forgiveness. When we talk about voting by mail, uh, people can do that. And uh, if, if it comes to it and we still have the, the virus that is uh, uh, requiring and, and best practices being away from one another, disaggregated, uh, then I think we ought to go to a election by mail. We want to make sure that we protect not only the health of the economy, but the health of our democracy. Uh, and for that reason, we want to make sure that we provide that people can vote by mail and have early voting. We are pressed and create this drama that, in fact, if it's not done right now, it's a consequence. That's unacceptable. We have to get this right. We're not going to get multiple shots at trillion dollar programs. We have to get this right. Uh, we, how many more shots are we going to have at this? We should use this to change the get the whole agenda through. Well, then there are Republican senators looking out for workers, small business owners, and yeah, those big corporations devastated all through no fault of their own. You know what the American people are thinking right now? They're thinking that the brain is an amazing organ. It starts working in a mother's womb, and it doesn't stop working until you get elected to Congress. Democrats are filibustering more masks and aid for hospitals. Every day, more Americans wake up to the news that their jobs are gone. Democrats are filibustering programs to keep people on the payroll, and they're filibustering a huge expansion of unemployment insurance. The country's out of time. How can half the Senate not rise to the occasion? 
at a time when everybody else in the country is pulling together. They're pulling us apart. You know what the American people are thinking right now, Mr. President? They're thinking, why do the members of the United States Senate continue to double down on stupid? The answer from our friends on the other side of the aisle is delay, delay, delay. No sense of urgency. There were 372,563 reported cases of the coronavirus. In the hours since then, just today, there have been an additional 23,352 cases reported today. While the Democrats are blocking the bill, 23,000 new cases today. In the United States, when we started this morning, there were 35,224 cases this morning. Right now, as of the latest numbers, there are 41,708 cases in the United States today. You know what the American people are thinking right now, Mr. President? They're thinking, why do the members of the United States Senate continue to double down on stupid? All right, there you have two adults, uh, or a number of adults, a party that wants to get aid to workers, and then you have you know, a, a, a wish list of carbon footprint, uh, the new green deal and every single penny dime that they can muster for any pork power project they want. Congressman Steve Scalise is the Republican whip, Louisiana's first district. I understand Louisiana's cases of uh, COVID-19 are, are increasing dramatically. I'm sorry to hear that, uh, Congressman, and I, I wish the best for everybody down there. We're, we're going to get through this. Um, let's talk about the aid package and Pelosi's dream list, uh, earlier today indicating, okay, she's finally going to give up on this stuff. Is that for sure? Well, Sean, it's, I think, first of all, sunlight is always the best disinfectant. And the fact that people are talking about this and exposing just how disgraceful it is, what Speaker Pelosi did. I mean, all the talks were going in a very positive way for over a week in a very bipartisan way, Republicans and Democrats putting a bill together and then Sunday. Nancy Pelosi flies in from San Francisco and literally blows the whole thing up with this crazy stuff. And look, I mean, I've been on the phone all day, like so many of my colleagues for the last few days, with small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses, household names that are facing some of the toughest decisions you can imagine, laying off their workforce. Uh, Every single day they're making these decisions and they're saying, wait a minute, if Congress is going to throw me a lifeline, I can hold off on laying people off. And yesterday they were saying that. And yet Nancy Pelosi comes in and her allies play in this dangerous game of chicken with our economy. Sean, make no mistake. Nancy Pelosi, what she's doing is taking a wrecking ball to Main Street America right now because decisions are being made whether or not they're going to lay people off and they don't want to do it. But they also are looking to Congress. And I think it's going to I think cooler heads are going to prevail. But how many days did we lose now? At least two days have been lost with this. I mean, not one call I've been on, Sean, have people said, hey, can you pass the Green New Deal, or can you have mandatory union collective bargaining, or can you make sure illegals get relief checks? That's all in Pelosi's bill, federalizing elections to make mandatory same-day voter registration. What does that have to do with coronavirus? For God's sake, put all of these radical ideas on the side. You'll debate it all in November in the presidential election, but today we've got to save lives. We've got to save businesses that are making some of the toughest decisions they've made since they started up. And these are people, your neighborhood restaurants that you want to come back, your local dry cleaner, all the way up to the largest corporations in the world. And stop the, you know, the, the, all this back and forth about whether big corporations are evil. 
again, they can have that debate in November. Today, we've got to come back together like everybody was doing for over a week and get this bill passed to help throw a lifeline to families so that we can then have an economy to come back to in hopefully a few weeks, as the president talked about maybe Easter, where we can finally open things back up again. You want to have something you can go back to, a job to go back to, and that won't be the case if Pelosi keeps playing this game. She's got to drop it today. Let's get this bill done, and then let's let's get people back to work. I like what the president is saying, too. I mean, the, the cure for this cannot be worse than the problem itself. And and I'm telling you, um, everybody I talk to wants the country to as quickly, as expeditiously as possible. People want to work. Americans instinctively want to work. The This economy was not built for people to just get checks, uh, never-ending checks from the government. And the, to the credit of most people, they don't want that. Now, there are people through no fault of their own that have are have been laid off, lost their jobs, lost their income, small businesses that have had to shut their doors, and big industries like the cruise line industry and the airline industry, et cetera. And um, we have to help them. We definitely, I like your idea, and that is, okay, if you're being furloughed for a period of time, this period w- that we go through, you know, we'll give the aid to the businesses, let them continue to pay their employees, uh, keep their benefits in place. And then as soon as we can get back to work, let's get back to work. Yeah. And Sean, you know what else is in this bill? And this is something we did after Hurricane Katrina. You had people that were shut down for over a month. The banks were given flexibility to go to their customers and say, look, you've got your home loan, but you don't have a job. We're going to push your note back for three months. So let's say your, your last note payment is in 10 years. It'll be 10 years in three months, but for three months, we're going to give you breathing room. Same thing for small businesses. We know you have no cash flow, uh, and hopefully in a few weeks, you're going to be back up and running. But for the next week or the week after that, you don't have to worry about these note payments. But the bank should have that flexibility. We put that in this bill. That's something that's going to benefit everybody, Republican, Democrat. It doesn't matter what your party is. But to throw partisan ideas that have absolutely nothing to do with it. I mean, solar panels on airplanes. I mean, what are they talking about? Uh, carbon emissions. For, I mean, we got to keep the airline industry afloat. And by the way, it's not a bailout in this bill. Uh, it's loans that they would have to pay back. And and it gives them a lifeline. And so why wouldn't we want to do that? Republicans and Democrats coming together. Again, I think you'll see it. I think we're going to get to that. Uh, well, but for some people, it's going to be direct assistance, isn't it? Is, is it some of this money is going to be direct assistance too. for displaced workers. Term, Sean, it's all, you can't do permanent policy in this. And that's I think both sides have been really good about it. Look, there are a lot of things I'd like to see, you know, get rid of Dodd-Frank. Today's not the day to have that debate. Uh, this bill well, is I, I want to, Congressman, I want to, I want to clarify one thing. The people, for example, workers, through no fault of their own, they can't work. So th- these are not loans for them. We're, we're going to give them the bridge till they get back to work, correct? Yeah, for individuals, there, there will be cash assistance to them. And again, I mean, right. the normal verification, you shouldn't be giving it to illegals and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that that game they're trying to play. But yeah, help families out while they're not getting uh, any income, while they don't have a job. Help those small businesses. And again, the banks even would have flexibility to say, we're not going to make you make your house payment or your uh, your business loan payment for the next few months while you get back on your feet. But we want you to get back on your feet. We want to have something for people to come back to. And every day that we delay right now is thousands of lost jobs, thousands of layoffs that will be made if this doesn't get done quickly. Well, I think that's the most important thing. And and every day, I mean, it's been a week now. And I know you passed the two other bills. That's all good and well. 
I mean, wh- why do they think that this is time for student debt forgiveness and the new Green Deal and carbon emissions and the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts and 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 bailing out the postal office, which doesn't need a bailout right now and and everything else in between? I'm like watching this and I'm saying, wow, is it really this dysfunctional? Is the party swung the Democratic Party swung that far radical left that they're willing to betray American workers, small business, and, and even our big corporations at a time they are most needed. Yeah, clearly there's an element of their, their wing up in the, in, in the House that, that has that attitude. I think it's backfiring on them right now, Sean. I mean, people all across the country are going, wait, what happened? Everybody was working together. The country's coming together. And then the speaker literally flies in from San Francisco, and the whole thing turns around, and we're talking about the socialist agenda on a bill that's supposed to be about saving American workers and these small businesses and medium and large sized businesses that make our country the envy of the world, that's literally hanging on by a thread. Uh, stop playing the games, get this done. Uh, but in the meantime, they've caused major damage just in the last two days. It's time to end it. And, and let's get back to work, get this done. There's going to be a time for these bigger fights. Uh, All right. So the Senate, we expect to vote maybe as early as tonight. Do we know for sure? I think it's still possible, Sean. I do see cooler heads starting to prevail. And I think the pressure from people all across the country going, what are you doing? Again, whether you're Republican or Democrat, independent, doesn't matter. Uh, I think people are looking, going, enough. Go to work for the American people and let's get this done. Uh, let's get our economy back up in a few weeks. Uh, as the president said, President Trump's been providing great leadership, working with governors, working with everybody uh, to get through this. And we don't need a couple of people that want to come and play their partisan games to blow it all up. What else do you th- see in the bill that is going to be particularly helpful to prepare us post-virus? And, and look, if we look at the if the patterns hold, meaning China and South Korea, uh, now we are beginning to see signs that Italy is now beginning their, their slow descent and leveling off, which will hopefully then be followed like these other countries with a dramatic drop off of new cases and deaths. Um, we still are not at that point yet because literally it's sort of like goes around. We're not at the point where we can say, okay, we're beyond that. Uh, the president talked about a goal of Easter Sunday, opening up the country again, your thoughts. Well, I like the fact that the president's showing that, that we are going to get through this and it's not going to be months. It's going to be weeks. And and people are, people are taking smarter precautions already, social distancing, washing their hands. Look, we had an active flu season this year where over 25,000 people in America died this year from the flu. And yet people probably weren't taking the kind of precautions they could to protect themselves against that. I see you're seeing, you're seeing a higher level there. But in terms of the bill, Sean, for, for businesses especially, look, I mean, you're a worker, you're at home right now. You want to be able to go back to your job by and large. You know, and the economy was great. You were getting a piece of the American dream. For these small businesses, there's loan forgiveness. And it really is focused on getting those employees back on the payroll, not on the unemployment rolls, not on Medicaid. Stay on your company's health insurance. There are incentives in the bill for all of that. And if you're a company and you meet that, you bring your – and by the way, it's if you laid some people off, it allows them to bring the workers back and still qualify for that loan right. forgiveness. i got to so take a break. You payroll, your rent, get your business back up and running. So we're going to get through it, Sean. Congressman Steve Scalise, Republican Whip, thank you for being with us. Some say, theoretically, azithromycin could work in conjunction with hydroxychloroquine because it has an anti-inflammatory effect on the lungs. In your paper, you point out that uh, the the duration until cessation of virus was five to six days. On average, uh, in China, it was 20 days. So you've cr- offered a combination therapy that reduces the period of infection to one-third of what it was originally. 
as an infectious disease specialist, how much of an impact does that make in the, in the row, do you predict? How, how much less infectious w- would this be in practice? It makes sense to say if people are carrying virus uh, one third of the time, uh, the, the, the risk of infection around them would be much lower. And specifically, if they are still sick, probably even the, the viral load will increase if you don't treat them. If you personally had coronavirus, the COVID-19 virus, would you treat yourself with this combination therapy? Of course. Of course, I've never did. Uh, to my patients, some 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 things that I will have done for myself. Never, I, I'm, and I'm teaching that since you know, I'm an old professor. I'm teaching that to all my students. Each patient, you should treat that if it was your mother or your son or your sister, because this is what is a doctor. All right, that was uh, from the Doctor Oz show. I mean, he's been doing some phenomenal work in trying to get answers to off-label, compassionate use of FDA-approved drugs. In the case of uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, that is a drug that has been around since 1945. Uh, Long-term use, high doses, it has uh, issues involving potential blindness. But that is not what the measured treatment is that have been used. He has highlighted uh, yesterday on his program, he highlighted a number of people that used hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin with phenomenal results. Uh, we're reading about it everywhere. The French, uh, in France, they had a study, which we've gone over in great detail. And what does all of this mean? There's a, a piece in the on Forbes.com that talked about that study. 70% hydroxychloroquine treated patients in that particular case, uh, did very, very well. We have another article on Forbes.com today that talks about a woman in New Jersey uh, toughing it through fatigue, cough, fevers, etc. for five straight evenings. She went on urgent care, went to an urgent care center. She, she said she couldn't breathe, and she shared her lab tests and medication list, got her diagnosis March 19th next to the uh, entry for, for SARS corona, if you will, Uh, The words detected critical. She had Corona COVID-19. Anyway, uh, she had been a a pneumonia patient for three days, treated mainly with antibiotics. But within an hour, a new drug was added to her medical list, and that was hydroxychloroquine. Anyway, she said her body responded to treatment. uh, And though surely not well the next day, the fever, which was still spiking, said on Saturday, two days later, Uh, coughing at times, but able to speak. And then, of course, she was doing much better. Anyway, Dr. Oz is with us now. He also today on his program interviewed many doctors. Uh, Dr. Oz, thank you for being with us. Uh, To me, if we could stop people from dying using off-label compassionate care, I know everybody would rather have long-term clinical trials that take three years, but we don't have that time, do we? We don't have that time. And and I was uh, interviewing the former governor of Kansas, who's a physician who's back practicing medicine, and he said, you go to war with the army you have. And folks have heard that saying, but this is a particularly apt reason to use it. I want to add one thing, because you got the medicine completely right, and you're, you're really good at this, because obviously all your relatives are in the medical field. But By the way, Dr. Uh, Oz, i got to tell you something. I have, I have become such a big fan of yours. You have a great show. It's one of the top syndicated shows in the country. 
What I love is you're always trying to help people have better lives, healthier lives, and you, you do a great service every day. And I gotta, I gotta give you a, a big, a lot of props for this, and you work hard at this. Well, God bless you. Thank you. But I was going to point out that uh, that the, there was actually data from a Chinese study, which I finally got translated. They took twenty patients, and they showed that when they put patients on, on uh, hydroxychloroquine, they would. And they oh, within two days, all twenty felt better. And they do CAT scans of the chest. There, they want to see if they're blocked the lesions in the lung, markings in the lung, which are pretty common in coronavirus. And they saw that the patients, nineteen out of twenty, were improved within five days, which is a big deal. The last person also got better, just didn't do it in five days. So I, I'm optimistic, but we need to have the big clinical trials. And the, and the question that I asked Vice President Pence today during the town hall. By the way, that was, was a great what, town hall. That was phenomenal. I, you, that was your first question. It was great. Well, you're, you're kind. I got to say, the, the hosts uh, were, the Fox News hosts were fantastic. Uh, and you see, you, you see a, a, just a culture of just getting the information out. So here, here's the question, real quick. In light of all the things that you just uh, out, uh, outlined and highlighted, can doctors prescribe these pills while we're waiting for the clinical trials that everyone agrees are, is necessary? And he, he said very clearly, uh, that, uh, that he was pleased, he said, to say that the FDA considered this off-label and was okay with it. So basically saying, you know, we don't want you using off-label drugs, but in this setting, do what you need to do for your patients. And then the doctors that I spoke to on the show uh, today and the patients as well are sort of saying the same thing, which is we don't know exactly what's going to happen long-term, but we have enough information to start this process off. And Didier Rolt, the, the, the gentleman that you showed at the top of this little piece of the segment who I had on the show uh, yesterday, said it was unethical, in his opinion. This guy's a very famous French infectious disease specialist. He said it was unethical to not offer this to patients. Now, there are side effects that could be significant. I don't know what's going to happen if we combine both these drugs. No one does. And I've been talking to lots of great centers about this. And as you know, I'm funding the, the trial at Columbia, but there's one at the Cleveland Clinic that I just got off the phone with. People are trying to do this the right way. We're going to learn a lot. But if you're a high-risk person and you're having issues, it is worth considering at least one of these drugs. And your doctor is going to be learning about them. Have the discussion. Please do not do it on your own. There's an unfortunate case already of a gentleman who misread the ingredients of a pe- of a toxic substance you put in aquariums to kill parasites. It, it had it the word hydroxychloroquine thing. in it, and, he, and it was a phosphate. It was not for any medical use. Exactly. And they, they, they don't play chemistry lab in your body. These are big-time issues. This is a prescription drug. If someone offers it to you on the side, don't take it. It needs to be given to you by a doctor who can double-check you. But with that stated, I've been asking a lot of doctors if they would take it. And no one has said no yet. Now, there are going to be some doctors who don't want to take it. I respect all that. But most doctors say, if I know how to check myself and make sure I'm not going to have a complication and address it if I do have a complication, I'd rather take this and see if I can benefit. I've read the, the study out of France. I've read all the data. I'm watching what you're doing very, very closely and what others are doing. I've asked the same question you asked to every doctor I know. I've gotten the same answers that you've gotten. Um, and I, and what I've read is my understanding and correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if you read Tylenol, you're going to see a lot of warnings on the label that'll scare anybody if you really pay attention. So we always have to be careful with any medicine, anything we put in our bodies, but we've had it since 1945. There is apparently longer term use, higher doses, issues involving eyesight. We got to pay attention to that. We got to pay attention to people. My understanding is specific heart conditions, arrhythmia in particularly, uh, that you have to pay attention to. But w- I don't see a lot of red flags that this is dangerous. It's not going to kill somebody, and 
in almost all cases that I see. Tell me where I'm wrong. The only issue we're not sure about yet is if you combine the two drugs together. That's the only thing that's uh, not well established. It's been done, obviously. The French trial was done that way. The doctors in Kansas, uh, Colson has said he's using it together. and It should work better, but we just don't know. You know, I guess one of the things that I like about it, I like off-label use, especially a drug that is not particularly dangerous when you look at or compare it to other drugs. And that would be hydroxychloroquine around since 1945. Have you looked at the maps that are online and are they accurate? The countries that have higher incidences of malaria, and this is an anti-malaria drug, don't have the breakout of COVID-19 or coronavirus the the way the rest of the world is having it? Seems different, but I'll, if I can stun you and your listeners a little more, I, I, if the uh, Chinese researchers got interested in this drug because they were noticing that none of the patients coming into the hospital with COVID-19 had lupus, and it turns out you treat lupus with hydroxychloroquine here as well in this country. And it's not the only drug, but these patients were on those drugs. It's commonly used in, in China. And then they noticed one thing, something else that the Chinese patients who had lupus, none of them got COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Well, my, my goodness, and this is at one hospital, by the way. So they said, well, based on that information, let's just do this little trial. That's the group that did the 20-patient trial I mentioned earlier on. So we're finding some evidence, tasteful, and will be done evidence from smart people doing their best. And everyone ought to know that in China, it's actually, if you find their state documents of how they recommend treatment of diseases, because, you know, they're very organized people. It actually writes down explicitly that it's part of their protocol. So this is not a brand new concept. I didn't invent this idea. And Didier Galt, who's a wonderful, famous doctor, most cited specialist in that area in the world, he didn't discover it. He's very humble about it. He got the idea from the Chinese, who were way ahead of us because they had the disease first. So I'm not, I just don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to fight about this. This is not a, a, an idea that's being thrown at the American people. I think it's a clever idea. It's worth experimenting and proving for good because it'll come in handy in other diseases. In the meantime, if you don't want to uh, suffer through the consequences and you think it might help you, look at the data, talk to your doc about it, and make a decision. But otherwise, the bigger story is American medicine is advancing. We're getting better at treating this disease. If we have the resources to do it, we'll be able to continue to lower the mortality rate, which is already lower than many had feared it would be. And that's a good sign because then we don't have to travel in fear. Well, if anybody that knows anything about you or watches your show, everybody knows this is your passion. This is your calling in life. That is to help other people, heal people, uh, prevent death for families. And and I applaud you for that part of it. I I think we've got to look at some other. What about the plasma treatment? In other words, people that had uh, taken on gotten the coronavirus, contracted it and recover and antibodies are in their blood and you remove the plasma and you infuse it into other people. And we're, again, we're only at the beginning stages of that part. What about that treatment possibility? How do you, what is the research telling you? Well, the data so far, again, this is for critically ill people in ICUs. So this is not like what we were talking about earlier. This is Hail Mary passes for people that don't have a lot of choices, but it's pretty good. Uh, and it started in China, again, because they had a lot of experience and they were desperate. And Ian Lipkin, who is the famous virus hunter, is at Columbia with me, has uh, submitted a protocol to do just that. So just the concept is just a more, bit more precise because the listeners will enjoy this. When you get sick, you make antibodies, and those antibody levels will build up over time to protect you from getting reinfected, which is why we believe if you've gotten this infection, you will not get the same one again. 
It may morph, the virus may change, you may get a different version, but this one is that won't get you again. So those antibodies are protecting you. Well, why wouldn't I take those antibodies, just take them out of your blood, siphon them out, and just use them in someone who's desperately ill who, for whatever reason, can't make the antibodies? And that's mm-hmm. the concept. And it's called convalescent plasma, because convalescent, people getting better, plasma. And uh, it's going to be used in this country uh, a bit. Again, we don't want to have to do it a lot because the implication is you're really sick that you needed it. But for mm-hmm. some people, it could change everything. Listen, if you, I, that's what I love about the right uh, to choose um, or try as the president. We should have passed that a long time ago. If I'm on my deathbed, somebody tells me, you might want to try this. I'm going to try it. Let me ask you, if the <laughs> patterns, if the, well, I'm, I'm, I always am honest with my audience. I, if I had this or somebody I loved had this, uh, I would be looking immediately at hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin and calling every doctor I know, including I would be annoying you. Um, <laughs> and I know you're nice enough to take my call. Now, if the pattern continues, now we're looking at numbers. They're very big numbers. Um, we had 60.8 million Americans contract uh, H1N1. Hundreds, hundreds of thousands were hospitalized. In the first year, we lost almost 13,000 people. Uh, worldwide, we're at about 415,000, 18,000 some odd uh, deaths. Every life is important. In the U.S., we were up to, what, 52,000 cases, 675 around dead. Um, we want to save every life. But if the pattern continues, we saw today for the first time a leveling off of new cases in Italy. That seems to have been the pattern in China and the pattern in South Korea and elsewhere. We would be behind Italy in terms of our timing. We're just getting our influx of real numbers, right? I think you're right. And it's the Italian numbers last two days actually have uh, been lower than the prior peak, which right. is a great sign because they usually it's the other way. It's not a subtle little increase. It's dramatically increasing. So they seem to have peaked. The Chinese have no more cases. The reason they're not com- completing clinical trials is there's no one to treat. In fact, they're willing to sell equipment to us to help with diagnostic kits, protective gear. They have excess because they made it thinking they'd have a bigger problem. Mm-hmm. How important was the president's decision 10 days after the first known case in America to put that travel ban in effect? In retrospect, it was pretty savvy. And I think uh, it's unfortunate that uh, we have to find these things out because only in the rearview mirror because it seemed pretty aggressive at the time. But I think that other countries are out there that wish they had done similar things. And, you know, it's not generally a good habit to quarantine you know, to block countries from coming into your country, but these call for extreme measures. And I think even within this country, we've got to have an honest discussion about how much travel will go back and forth. I know the governor of Florida has put a two-week uh, mandatory quarantine, quarantine on New Yorkers yeah. coming to Florida, right? So is he wrong? Is he is the sanctus a bad person for doing that? I mean, I, I live in New York, but if I was going to Florida, I, I can see why people in Florida would say, what are you doing here? You're exposed mm-hmm. to all these people. You're going around these studios. You, you didn't self-quarantine until yeah. just a couple of days ago. You don't just come down here and spew your virus. By the way, Dr. Oz is recommending people stay home, follow the protocols, and have a lot of sex. Did I, did I read that right, Dr. Oz? Did, I, did you really say that? I did. I'll tell you what. I, it was a serious <laughs> question. I know people it give was. Me a I'm messing with you. It. No, I, I know you busted my, my tail, but here, here's the, the reality. Wait, they, there's no virus in the, the male fluid. So you're not going to pass it that way. You're already intimate, hopefully, holding hands and sleeping in the same bed with the person that you're living your life with. So why would I make your life that much more miserable by just allowing right. you to look but not touch? Right? We're going to call the Oz just, baby boom, uh, hopefully on the other side of this sooner or later. Thank you for what you're doing, looking for solutions, hoping to save lives, and, and thinking out of the box. Dr. Oz, thank you. 
All right, disgusting Democrats, disgusting media mob, China is corrupt, and Dr. Oz and the Surgeon General. Hannity tonight at 9. See you back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us.